Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. You are listening to another episode of the Mike Abadir Show, January the 21st, 2021. Thanks for tuning in again. Gino Bacola here, the main man, Mike Abadir, is alongside, like always. He'll be with us in just a second, a little uh, a little technical difficulty for the moment. But we have conference final conference championship week coming up. We are down to four, the final four in the NFL on the NFC side. going to be Tampa Bay. Going to play Green Bay, going to play the Packers on the road. Right now, the Packers are a three and a half point favorite. And then in the AFC side, it's going to be the returning Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. They are a three point favorite right now with a banged up Patrick Mahomes playing against the Buffalo Bills. So on the AFC side, we had the number one seed against the number two seed. On the NFC side, we've got the number one seed against the five seed. And uh, we've got quite a group of quarterbacks. When you think about it, I mean, let's be honest. This might be the greatest Final Four of quarterbacks in NFL playoff history. You you can't really find many years that would even compete with it. When you have Tom Brady, who many people refer to as the GOAT, you have the current best player right now, which is, I think people would say Patrick Mahomes. And then you have the player in Aaron Rodgers, who for the last 15 years, from a skill standpoint, he's probably been better than Tom Brady forever. He just didn't win as much. I mean, when you're talking about Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes, these are the guys over the last 15, 20 years. And then you throw Josh Allen in the mix, who he probably had the third best quarterback season this year behind Mahomes and behind Rodgers, we have an unbelievable Final Four set up for you in the NFL coming up this week. And as you can tell just by the betting the betting lines, three and a half and three. Nobody's expecting any blowouts here. Over-unders, 51 and a half and 54. These should be good games with points being scored. Uh, we look back to, to last week. Go, go uh, in reverse a little before we move forward. I thought there were a couple teams that had to feel pretty disappointed about their performance in the divisional round. Uh, I think the two teams that lost that shouldn't really feel too disappointed are the Rams and the Browns. The two that are probably looking at themselves in the mirror right now and, and, and saying sort of woulda, coulda, shoulda, the Ravens and the Saints. If you're the Ravens right now with Lamar Jackson, this is year three of Lamar making it to the playoffs. Are you looking and thinking, we need to make a change? Now, losing in the playoffs isn't the issue. It's it's not that you lose. It's how you lose. It's the games that Baltimore gets beat. They play so poorly. It's a, another situation where it feels like, okay, this is a big game. This is a playoff game, and they can't throw the ball. They can't make the plays they need to. You can get it, pick up a big uh, third down with your legs, but can Lamar make the the throws needed? He hasn't shown it quite yet. Was it 
too early to give up on him? Absolutely. It's just his third year. He's very, very young. He's got a ton of upside. I believe we've got Mike here uh, with us now. So, Mike, just talking about last week and who who I think of the losers in the, the divisional round should be disappointed. I think that of the four teams that lost, there are two that could probably leave the weekend not too disappointed with with how their season ended. I think with the Rams and the Browns, you know, the Browns coming up, the Rams had some injury issues. The two teams who I think are probably disappointed right now that they are not playing this weekend, the Ravens and the Saints. The Ravens and the and the and the Buffalo Bills are kind of coming up at the same time, right? With younger quarterbacks you know, similar age, been in the league, similar length of time, maybe exact same year, uh, entry, entering the league. Their, their development has kind of coincided with each other. It's kind of cool, by the way. It kind of reminds me of maybe like the Patriots and the Colts from, uh, you know, the early mid to, you know, 2000s, you know, er, early you know, from 2001 until, you know, whatever, 2012 when uh, Peyton left the uh, Indianapolis Colts for the Broncos. That was a great rivalry for a long time. I envisioned this one to be the same thing. But my point is that one of them had to win, and they have next year to think about. We'll be here next year, right? The Saints don't have that. Most yeah, likely. That, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, right. So to me, it's, it's really disappointing. You win your division. You beat your foe twice. You bury them one of the times, um, most the most recent attempt. And who knows what's going to happen with Breeze. I mean, he says that it wasn't going to factor into his decision what they did in the postseason. But I think you and I probably know if he wins the Super Bowl, probably pretty hard to come back at that age when you just won the Super Bowl. You're at that pinnacle of, of the sport. I don't think he – I think he's going to come back one more year, you know. I don't think he – I don't think he's, you know – says, you know what, it's been a great run. We've done really well. I mean, there's got to be a terrible taste in his mouth. I mean, four years in a row, they, they've been favorites to at least win the game that they lost. And in two of those times, it was to advance to the Super Bowl, right? And they haven't done it. And at some point, you kind of have to start pointing fingers internally. And sure, Sean Payton didn't throw all those interceptions. But it's... but. I've talked about this for a long time, Gino, and I'm really upset about this, as, as you probably could gather. Why is it that they deviate so much from their typical game plan when they get to the postseason, especially offensively? And it seems like it's not a killer mentality. You see what I'm saying? It's really disappointing, and um, I, I mean, I it, it's... It's crazy because we're we're talking about at the same time uh, a guy who like I, I feel different when I look at Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers only having one one than I do with Drew Brees mainly just because like we're, now we look back one and we see that Mike McCarthy was a, maybe a lot of the reason why they weren't very good there they maybe didn't have the, the best coaching staff and two. every year New Orleans at least the last four to five years they felt like they were either the best most complete team in the league or one of the top two to three. And I don't like the word choke because there's all sorts of different situations in sports, but with Minnesota, with, with Minnesota, you know, with 
with, with what's happened, even with the Rams where, you know, the bad play, but then they couldn't come back and, and, and kind of get over it in overtime. It just seems like when the moments got really big, they got pretty tight. I mean, look, one of those times you could say it's fluky, the Minnesota game you brought up. Mm-hmm. The Rams game, penalty, sure. But see, once you get to like three and four, then it then becomes, you, okay, right? it's you really not excuse- about that one play. It's mm-hmm. about what happened in the 59 minutes before. and 45 other seconds Why did it come down to being one play, right? Exactly. Why, why were you only up by seven and not up by 10 at that point, right? Exactly. Exactly. When you're supposed to win these games. I mean, if you actually look at the feeds of the Saints beat writers on Twitter, as an example, or just really, really pay attention to that team, like you're the, a fan of that team, okay? Like you're reading all the articles about them on The Athletic, you're reading all the local newspaper articles about them, so on and so forth, right? Like maybe you would with the Lakers or something. And you read about what these guys are and gals that report on this team are saying about this team on a weekly basis, you really truly, and then you see it play out on Sunday, and then you read about them again, and then you see it play out on Sunday. You really see how stacked this team is. I mean, they're really, really, really talented. And this year probably was on paper maybe the most talented of the years, even though I think they were a little bit more dominant like two years ago. Remember that game, that season where like, Breeze, it seemed like every game was getting them like 38, 40 points. They weren't really like that this year. Obviously, he had injury issues and stuff like that. But, man, I'm telling you, when you really dig into this team, you know, and, and look at it like like just position by position from the offensive line all the way, you know, to the special teams units and everything in between, you know, it's just really hard for me to see how they get bounced each of those years. Even if they got bounced to the Super Bowl, I think it would be a little bit more easy to swallow. But typically, they've been better than the teams that they've lost to. And when that happens, that's when I start looking at the coaching staff and figuring out, trying to figure out what, how to dissect what happened in that, in that ball game that they lost. Right? And like I said, Sean Payne, Payton is probably top three coaches in the NFL, but I have not been impressed with his postseason game day in-game coaching, play calling, especially on the offensive side of the ball. One more quick note, because I know this isn't a Saints show, uh, but you asked me a question, and I wanted to raise one more thing. In their defense, I think the one difficult thing is this. They didn't have very many games this season where you had Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Drew Brees on the field at the same time. And probably, I think, one game, or maybe two all year, where you also had Hill. Uh, the utility quarterback, fantasy tight end, uh, you know, just the guy that can dazzle and do it all. But really, their secret weapon um, was great, by the way, seeing Winston throw that it touchdown. Was, and you, you got to wonder what that's going to mean for his future versus Hill as the quarterback for next year. But that's for another conversation. I, another kinda, day. I think I had a bad taste in my mouth with, with this team um, for a while. And it, okay. went, it went back to the Drew Brees stuff. Um, it was really weird when Drew Brees said, you know, he said something politically and then he got a lot of backlash for it. And then there were players on his own team that were kind of coming out against him. And and then he went he kind of circled back and he's been um, like all, for all you know, intents and purposes, like a really good teammate since. But that was just sort of a weird 
And then remember the stuff at the beginning of the year with Michael Thomas getting into fights with teammates. How does a guy like break and shatter all the NFL receiving records? And then this year, I know he's banged up, but even when he wasn't, there was something weird there. There was like a weird energy, a weird vibe, because there was not the same connection that we saw at all. I mean, he honestly played one of his, his better games with Hill than he even did with Breeze. Um, and it was just a, like a weird vibe throughout most of it. And uh, yeah, I do know what you mean. Now, here's the thing. The, the comments that Breeze made, uh, I know for sure, I know firsthand that the team uh, quickly moved off of that. Like it wasn't yeah. in the locker room. It wasn't a lingering issue between teammates or anything like that. Like it pretty much ended within a few days uh, of that. But the the one I'm not as much. I'm worried about Michael Thomas. That was the guy who I mean, like he feels like he this year he had a chip on his shoulder in not the good way. He was he was upset with a lot of things happening, whether it be with Drew or other people. But he just he was fighting. He wasn't. He was hurt. He didn't. I don't know. It was just. it, it, to me, like looking, like I, I, I sort of get the point that you're going with, like handicapping their season and looking back now, it's almost impressive that they got to this point and they did as well as they did. But w- what's hard with with taking that approach is that, just like you were saying, this is the third or the fourth or the fifth time we're saying it now. We can't every year give them the benefit of the doubt for everything and say, oh, it was a ref that time, or they got screwed by this that time, like. When it happens over and over and over, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say there was something missing. Yeah, there's there's definitely something missing. Now, uh, if I'm going to be a little bit nitpicky, I will say that the special teams this year as a whole on the kicking side of things, obviously the returner Harris, I think he probably started to make a name a name for himself in the playoffs. They've been excited about this kid since preseason. So, or, you know, since training camp. So I've been hearing about how dazzling Harris is for a while. Uh, but in the kicking game, it has it was not as good this year as before. Uh, you know, Lutz had a good season, didn't have a great season. He had some misses late. But really, I'm actually more so pointing at my man, Thomas Morstead, who I really love. I mean, Thomas is a great guy. And uh, I... I, I, I don't understand it because he actually is coming off of a career year. But if you pull up his like punting averages and stuff, I mean, he's like five and a half, almost six yards less than he his punting average was last year. Um, he had a really tough time pinning them in the 10. Um, he, he wasn't, he didn't have that pinpoint precision that he usually has. And I'll tell you, you know, over the course of a game, it changes things, field position. Over the course of a season, you do this game in, game out, probably has the impact potentially of one point something wins, right? When you're starting on the 20, instead of every once in a while starting on the three or four or five, um, you know, in, in a playoff game, most definitely. In any one isolated game, you could, you could pinpoint that. And he had a few 38-yard punts. It, it just, that that's one little nitpicky thing. The other thing is the receiving core had some issues, you know, whether it be with COVID or false positives or, you know, uh, issues like that. It seemed like, you know, I think there was one game where Sanders, Thomas, and even a third one, maybe Traquan Smith was out. I mean, I think they've had games where they really had to be, they were very depleted, but hey, so were other teams in other positions, right? I mean, some teams didn't even have a quarterback. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just a weird year, but once again, no excuses for the Saints, man. Uh, I think they got to make some hard decisions right now. I know that it's going to be tough to – you can't carry this entire roster because they got some free agency decisions to uh, 
to, to make. And um, I think the biggest two things that they need to address are who's going to be our man moving forward at the quarterback position. And then secondly is how can we find the next Michael Thomas? Because I don't know if you agree with me, Gino, but I know you've seen this. Once we see wide receivers start going sideways, I don't care how great they are, they usually never revert back to their top form. They just don't. No. Right? Whether it be OBJ or whatever. Once I start seeing kind of things kind of pop up where they start not putting together their great season, uh, I say with the running backs, by the way, too. I mean, th- at that point, then I'm like, you know what? That guy's probably seen his best years. You know, and I'd probably include somebody even as young as Zeke. It's probably, we've probably seen his best years. Now, he hasn't really had any antics. Actually, since he's come into the NFL, outside of some issues early on, he's been pretty good um, on and off the field. But, yeah, I mean, I think Thomas, we've probably seen the best of Michael Thomas. I don't think we're seeing like 120 catches, 15 touchdowns, 1,800 yards from him, that type of stuff. You know, he's probably now going to be in – he's not going to have a big, a big of a drop. Up as AJ Green necessarily, but I wouldn't put him as the top five wide receivers going into the next year. Whereas this year, he's probably top one or two. And uh, you were talking about kicking earlier. I think if you were someone who backed the Ravens uh, in in that game and you saw Justin Tucker miss a field goal early on, and not like a fifty-five to sixty-yard field goal, miss like a very hittable field goal, you're going, uh oh, like maybe. Like, by the way, when you hear the announcer right beforehand say Mister Automatic. Yep. <laughs> and then the guy misses right afterwards. You know, usually how Michael, by the way, laughs about that and, and points uh, and points that out. But I think it was just like so. Oh my God! You know, a lot of times it's with interceptions, right? You know, so and so hasn't thrown an interception in 228 attempts. Boom! Next one. Yeah, next snap. Miss free throws. It's all the time, and in the NBA, uh, yeah. they talk about how oh, they yeah. made 72 in the row or whatever, and then boom, <laughs> it just misses a 98 percent free throw shooter. Boom! They miss it. So, I mean. It was it was a weird game with the Bills uh, Ravens and you know what this this is sort of a good time for us to take a break we can take a break right now we can come back we can uh, recap that game a little bit and talk about the Bills moving forward as they are on the way to the AFC title to play the returning Super Bowl champ Chiefs so let's take a quick break here on Mike Abadir's show when we return we're going to keep talking about last week's divisional round and this week into the conference championship round of the NFL. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. 
This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, we are talking all about uh, NFL divisional round and now into the conference championship round. So, Mike, uh, l- let's talk a-, a little bit about that that Bills Ravens game that we've been uh, we've been discussing here. So, with with the Ravens, you you mentioned like you can come back next year, and and you know you hope because you've got a young quarterback. But w- when you lose the way that they lose, when you get beat up, when it's not like a close defeat. Do you feel like you got to make some kind of a change? Is this offense the built-around running game that's a overpower power running game, but it still has question marks if they can throw the ball down the field in, in, in key moments? Is this something that you still would want to go back and keep trying, or do you think you need to make some adjustments? Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to have to make some adjustments. It's going to be really tough to capture last year's magic. Okay, a team's just find a way to figure out, figure you out sooner or later. So you always have to keep reinventing yourself in the NFL anyways. I think, first of all, we already saw the first casualty, which is Mark Ingram. Um, You know, he went from a really good back to not much of a factor pretty quickly. And I know he's a little bit banged up. And, you know, let's face it, he's a little bit older now as well. He's had a great career, um, but he's not going to be a part of that equation moving forward. I think you got to figure out then, are we going to try to be like a three or four headed running attack machine? Or are we going to be like, what's your identity? What, what do you think their identity is? I mean, I think they're, they're probably a running team, right? Yeah, they, they are. And I don't think you have to be a team that has to have like a guy that can drop back and hit every pass. You just have to be able to hit some of them. I mean, the difference in the game last week, it's 10 to three. They're driving. It's third and goal. They have the opportunity to tie the game 
And instead, a pick six makes it 17 to three. I mean, that's the difference in the entire game. Yeah, but look, the, the problem is this. Think, think of it, go all the way back to training camp and then during the practices, during the week. By the way, in the NFL, you don't practice that much. You, you really don't practice that much. You're, you're getting in maybe you know two to three practices a week, and that's if you're not banged up. And so go all the way back to training camp and just think about this for a moment. If you're the Baltimore Ravens, and clearly they came into this year with a emphasis on the run. We are going to be that running machine. I know they set some sort of rushing records this year. I don't even remember what I heard, but it was pretty, uh, pretty crazy. You know, it was kind of like either it's as a team total number of yards, you know, it was, I think the most since like the fifties or something like that when they didn't pass the ball. You know, the first thing that I thought when I saw that stat, I was like, Wow, this this really is a running team. And it kind of reminds me of the 49ers of the last few years, even going back to Kaepernick, okay? What happens is when that's your focus from tr- from training camp through preseason all the way through, and that becomes your emphasis, that probably means that you're working on a lot, which means that you're probably sacrificing a little bit on your passing practice precision, route running, you know, so on and so forth. So what do you think is going to happen when you get into a game where you need to get some chunks of yards quickly, when you need to score quickly, when you need to come from behind, when you truly need to rely on your passing game? As a quarterback, you might not feel super confident, Gino. I'm not saying you're not feeling confident, but you might not feel like, oh, we got this. Two-minute drill, I got this. You know, because really your bread and butter has been running. Weapons, okay, like weapons. What do they have? They never got the magic back. And I'm not saying Lamar won't, you know, because I think he's got a great arm. He's a great athlete. And, you know, they say he's a really, really good student of the game. You know, um, so I think he's going to figure it out. But I think this is the offseason where you kind of have to make some of those decisions is really the point that I'm getting at. Maybe add another receiver on the other side of Hollywood. They need uh, a playmaker. They need a number one. Receiver. They don't have a number one receiver. They have Hollywood Brown, who's a stretch. They have a, a solid tight end, Mark Andrews, who yep. didn't have as good of a year this year as he had last year. They need a good wide receiver. Like they need someone. I'm not sure who it is, where it is, but you, you, like seeing what someone like Diggs did for Buffalo, right? Like exactly. you bring in someone like that to them, and I think they. I honestly think that kind of a playmaker with Lamar would have that sort of impact. Completely agree with you. So that's kind of where you kind of have to make some off-season decisions from a philosophical perspective about how we're going to do this. The Bills very easily, very easily could have kind of leaned towards the Ravens model, right? They saw it work pretty well in Baltimore. Josh Allen's a great athlete, and he can run, you know, maybe outside of the top three, four guys. He's probably one of the better running quarterbacks. He's got really great field vision with the ball, and that's the one thing that I've recognized about him. That's why he's able to score a lot of touchdowns. He's one of those guys that can, that just can see openings and, and, and trust that he's fast enough or shifty enough to be able to make it through. So they could have easily got kind of gone down that road. And I thought they were, you know, when they drafted Zach Moss, I was like, Oh, they're, they're, they're going to be a rushing team. But I think they quickly figured out that the, uh, you know, I don't know when it happened, but I'm sure they had that moment where him, and digs like you're talking about, Allen, that is connected. And we're like, man, we got something really special going. And, and the funny thing about it, Gino, is 
that they went from a team that I thought was going to be a really good rushing team to a passing team that needs to upgrade on the rushing. <laughs> yeah, it is <laughs> pretty funny. When it works out that way. If I said, hey, do you think they're going to be better known for rushing or passing this year? I think most people yeah. would be like, well, I think yeah, Allen's going to get you six, 700 yards and maybe six or seven touchdowns on the ground. Singletary is really good. He's a dazzling player. And we're gonna and, and you got uh, Zach Moss, you know, high draft pick come in here. Yeah, they're gonna I, be I think pounding, bruising type team. And but, I think know? a lot of uh, a lot of that credit. I mean, because remember, this team has been awesome all year. Um, a lot of the credit was, I think, for their their offensive staff looking at this te- at the team and going, you know what. We don't really run the ball all that well when we hand it off. We have a quarterback that can run the ball a little bit too, and so that gives us the opportunity to still run the ball and let him move the chains with his legs sometimes. But now we've got a quarterback who's much more accurate than we ever thought he was going to be. The guy has improved leaps and bounds, and we've got this receiver who's the best receiver that he's ever had to throw to, and he's much more than just a stretch-the-field guy. So um, so you kind of think it was more of like a – uh, work in progress, trial by error. Let's just see what works as we go along with this thing. And they started seeing that the most productive aspect of their team really that the passing game had that chance to be that. And yeah, and, and I like, think some teams more more. get really, really um, stubborn about yeah. okay, we have to yeah. balance it right. We've got to run and we've got to pass, and because we're not. But if 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 a point comes where the run just doesn't work for you. Why do you keep doing it? Exactly. Exactly. Especially now. Like we, we saw remember, it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, we, we, we've seen exactly what we were talking about over the years. Even telecast used to talk about it, right? This team rushes for 128 yards or more. They're 13 and three in their last 16 games. And they're 24 and one at home and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of funny because a lot of times I, I remember distinctly when you know, announcers would talk about some of those type of statistical milestones. And then you go back and you look at some of the rushing averages. They were really fortunate because maybe they had a a Barry Sanders who busted out for a 70 yard run, but then he also had like five, three and outs, you know, with a, with a, you know, two yard gains and and a loss in the backfield. And I'm not criticizing Barry Sanders. He's, He's an all time great, but I know that that happened a lot with them. That was one of the reasons why why they didn't win more games in Detroit. And so, you know, sometimes these coaches, though, they get really, really wrapped up in that, right? Or the balance like you're talking about. You know, we want to have 38 rushing plays and 38 passing plays. And it's almost like it's they're become so literal about it, you know. And when you look at the stat sheet, you know, sure enough, you're like in the first half, they ran the ball, you know, 17 times and they had 18 pass attempts. And it's like, okay, it doesn't have to necessarily be that way to win. And I think some of the guys that are more stubborn about things like that end up not winning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because if, you, if you've seen like any Patriots game over the last few years, Belichick, he'll pass the ball 15 times in a row. We've seen that where they just drop back to pass every play, right? And then in the second half of the game, they do the exact same thing again when they're leading. But then next game they come out, and you have a different hero who runs for the, you know, rushes for 80 yards and another dude for 60 yards and they get 140 yards rushing. And you know exactly what I'm talking about if you watch Patriots games. That's a guy who isn't so stubborn like you're talking about. 
is Bill Belichick. When it comes to that type of stuff, it's exactly why you never had a lot of superstars outside of Tom Brady on that offense. Sure, Gronk when he was there. But typically, you had like a different hero every day. You had different people that were catching the ball and scoring and putting up numbers during that game. Really tough team to ever pick up fantasy players from, I'll tell you that. I uh, Yeah, it just feels like I, I, I don't want Baltimore to just come roll it back. I don't think they can do that. I think they have to have some some sort of a tweak, some sort of a change. The two teams that I feel like, um, you know, and, and we'll get into this weekend and coming up in our in our final segment in just a little bit. I feel like both the the Rams and the Browns can probably be pretty pleased with where they are right now. Like the Rams, um, even with Goff struggling throughout the year, they still made it there. I actually thought Goff didn't really play that bad in the game against the Packers, and they were competitive against a good Packers team and they were missing and they had a banged up Aaron Donald. They were missing Cooper cup. So I think for the Rams, they can look at, at their season. I didn't even think the Rams were a playoff team, to be honest. Like I thought they would be battling around the 500 spot and maybe like maybe slightly over, but uh, their defense this year was really, really good. The question I think with the Rams moving forward that you're going to have to ask, and you got to circle it's that, you know, that big contract that you have, uh, for Jared Goff the next few years, and you can't just cut him because you get impacted way more by doing something like that. You, you're better off just keeping him. So, you know, if you're the Rams, do you maybe take a first-round pick that you actually have now and go and draft a quarterback who you don't know if they're their, your future, but someone who you think might be able to play and, and bring some competition into the room? Well, I think the Rams, first of all, I think their defense this year as a whole um, is better than their Super Bowl team. And so I think going into next year, you know that that's your strong point. I also think that late in the year, they found, they figured it out rushing the ball. And I know that, and I've said this a lot. I mean, I could say this about every team. They're banged up a lot, right? I mean, that's a common phrase that I'm going to be using. But with the Rams, their backfield was a little bit banged up. And it was almost like they all figured it out and kind of got, um, you know, Akers kind of, maybe he was a late developer. I don't know. I don't follow the Rams that closely. But it seemed like going into next year, you know, they could probably be a pretty dangerous team, uh, you know, on that, you know, with, with a good defense and a good rushing attack. But you're right. Goff is the wild card guy. I mean, you also have a couple of really good receivers in Woods and Cup. So um, and, and a couple of probably underrated tight ends um, that can, you know, catch the ball. They could block uh, not superstar types, but definitely guys that can you know, do some damage in the red zone. So, you know, I think offensive line, Goff, you know, do we build a line that's more suited for running attack or for pass protection? You know, because not a lot of guys that are great at both nowadays. Um, but that's, once again, another subject for another day. We'll probably be talking about that a lot more when uh, we approach the draft and which guys are really good at doing both. But, you nailed it, man. There's probably not a lot more to this conversation other than what are we going to do about our quarterback position? I think the answer, quite honestly, Gino, is you got to roll with Goff, but have him work with maybe another quarterback coach this offseason, right? Recharge your battery, come back healthy. And, uh, you know, sometimes they have the guys work on various things, whether it be your footwork, whether it be just drill it into you. You know, you've seen some of those like quarterback camps and stuff like that where they spend like entire weeks at a time just where you have um, somebody trying to knock the ball out of your hand, as an example, when you drop back to pass. 
Um, and the whole thing is about kind of your pocket presence. You know, did you feel that person from behind you? And why I bring that up isn't necessarily because of all the fumbling, but more so because I think sometimes he gets rattled when he's got people around him. So, you know, I'm not offering suggestions for what he could do. I'm just giving you examples um, to, to, to suggest that I think they probably could have to roll with a guy. The guy being Goff, that is, of course. Yeah, I don't really mind Goff. Um, I don't like he's he's in the tier to me that's like you can win with guys you can win with. I don't I don't think Goff is someone that you cannot win with. Uh, I think there are some quarterbacks that you, you could probably put in that that. But m- honestly, there's like most guys. There's like five that are are guys that could win you games. And then there's a next range of like 10 to 12 quarterbacks that are all sort of in the, yeah, if they're in the right situation with the right players around them with a nice offensive line and some good pieces and some good coaching, they can be that guy for you. I mean, one of those guys, his AFC comp is Tannehill. Yeah. Right. And and I think when it's a good, when the seat, when everything's going right, they got a good running game going. You got Gurley back there. Right. Um, You know, you, you have a really balanced attack. Man, you could flourish. And we saw that from Tannehill in, in the, in the 20, uh, 2020, 2019 season, right? Where you're really just flourishing, right? You're catching people off guard. You saw that from Goff in their Super Bowl year, right? So, I mean, they have the capabilities to, but I agree with you. They're not necessarily the lead weapon going in, in and out of each season. And uh, it'll sort of give us a tease to talk about the, one of the final games, and then we can get into the this weekend coming up. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we return, we'll talk about another quarterback who I think made some huge strides this year. The jury was out on Baker Mayfield coming into this year. He had such an awesome end of a rookie season and then a, a real downer last year when everybody was expecting a ton from him. But then this year with Stefanski, the last seven or eight weeks, this guy was excellent he was all the metrics all the advanced ratings um all all the advanced analytics he was one of the better quarterbacks in the league let's talk a little bit about what we saw with the browns chiefs and the chiefs moving forward into the uh conference championship game let's take a quick break here our final break on the mike abadir show Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment here on the Mike Abadir Show. We are talking about the other AFC game where we saw a really tight game. And you know what? Uh, Mahomes got hurt in the third quarter and he went out, but 
the fact that Cleveland was down 19 to 3 in this game, they had an unbelievable momentum swing that looked like they were going to get right back into the game, had a touchdown taken away from them because it was one of those that the worst rules in sports where you fumble it into the end zone and it somehow becomes a touchback when the opposing team doesn't even recover the fumble. Tell me anywhere else on the football field where a team gets rewarded for not recovering a fumble. Um, I, you can't because it doesn't happen. Yet that's still I, the I rule. Why isn't it a reverse touchback? Like, if it's a touchback, the 20. Why not just give it back to the original team on the 20? On the twenty, I, that makes the most sense. It makes you too much sense reverse, to not do it. Just the first touchback, just go in the other direction. So if you're, so that what ends up happening, that starts to get into players' heads when you when that becomes the rule because now you're thinking, okay, like if it's late in the game or something like that, you're going, okay, I can't extend here. I'm better off just going out of bounds and and taking my shot from the one or two because I don't want to have to get backed up twenty yards. Right? Like you start thinking about that. That starts coming into play. If that's what they want people to not extend for that reason, that's a great way to do it because a player is going to go to. I, I don't know. Well, I now, think, now you lose the ball completely. I, I think that's why you, you feel like you go for it almost because you're, it, it, you're, you're there. And it doesn't make any sense because with the early, like in the middle of the field, all you need is progress, forward progress to get to a point. <laughs> you, you know, all you need is it, it just it's so inconsistent and it's such a terrible rule. So all of that being said, right, bad rule. We could spend a whole show on it. I was really impressed with the way they stayed in the game like that could have been a very easy point for them on the road against Kansas City to be like, oh, that was our chance. We're just going to kind of pack it in now. You know, we're kind of happy to be here. They kept fighting, man. They had the ball in the fourth quarter with the chance to win the game. They had to punt. And then Andy Reid with the most insane call in probably in football history or really close to it. If it's fourth and one and you throw the ball, you have to get a, you have to get the yard to get the first down. If the ball is dropped, if it's an incomplete pass, if it's anything, the Cleveland Browns have to go 48 yards with a minute left on the clock to score a touchdown to beat you to, 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 for you to lose, uh, I understand making that decision with Mahomes, but you make it with Chad Henney? <laughs> like that is some that's showing some webos there. I I love it, and I'm going to tell you why. And by the way, to me, uh, obviously the play you're talking about definitely takes some balls. I, I think the the bigger play was the play before, uh, well, and, that, and that's all Chad Henney. That's just broken play. Great plays because they're both great plays. You know what I mean? So that now. We're necessarily debating which is better or whatever, but I really loved the play before because it kind of set, set the whole stage up for this play to happen. And uh, much uh, credit to, to Henny. He was ready to come in and do his thing. This is like a relief pitcher that comes in like every two or three years. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that can't be – or a pinch hitter, I should say, that comes in every two or three years. It's not easy to come in and deliver. But, dude, that play was unbelievable. I love it, and here's why. Because – you're giving the ball to them at a worst case either way, right? So one way you're punting, and who knows how far they'll be able to advance it on punt return, right? Um, and the other way, you give it to them at the spot of the uh, turnover and downs. So in either scenario, they get the ball. And in either scenario, they got to score. 
So if either way the outcome is that they get the ball as a worst case scenario, why not go for the win? Yes, yeah, so we the, don't win the ball. Well, I'm com- if I'm fine. Win, well, also sure field distance, the field field position makes a difference. Don't get me wrong, but to me, I think I, I would. I, I'm surprised more teams don't do it. I think we're going to see more teams do it. And the more we've said that about different scenarios, you know, before it was kind of radical uh, for a team to go for two on every play. You know what I mean? Now teams are kind of starting to migrate that direction. So I think, to me, I think statistically, if you go for the win, you put yourself in a better situation. That's my take on it. I I have no issue going for the win with Mahomes. With Mahomes. And, and, I mean, I just can't do it with a backup quarterback. How many times has he run that play with Tyreek Hill? You know, like with Mahomes, I know he's done it a million times. That's like their favorite play they go to. For me, yeah. it's just Chad Henney. How, how many snaps has he taken this year? What if he botches a snap? You know, like just a lot of little things to that. I go, oh my, and and I wonder because I, I read this somewhere. I wonder how much of the decision for Andy Reid has to do with the fact that he won last year. It's a little easier to make a decision like that when you've already won. Right Great when you're point. not still trying to prove yourself anymore, when you've already got the big one. Um, hey, there was if you remember back to the Eagles years, there were some years where they had the best team in the NFC and they all the advance. time, all the time. And you got to wonder if you go back and look. I don't really remember anymore because it's been a long time. You got to wonder. I bet you there was a game or two or three that he was snake bitten like that, where he thought about going for it, decided to go the conservative route. And I remember actually one of them was against the New York Giants, and I think you'll remember this. They returned the punt for a touchdown to win. Yep. Remember that game? So yep. so you gotta wonder if if how many of those type of things kind of come into play. I agree with you though. I hundred percent agree. I think winning that Super Bowl, you know, you can you're you could deal with any question after a loss. I've won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You can't question me. I've won the Super Bowl. Right now, the questions are going to be about how many playoff exits you've had, and not getting to a Super Bowl, and so on and so forth. Like now, if you if you lost that game last year to the the Forty ers right? You don't come back, and let's say you lose, and you're in the same exact situation you were right here again. Mahomes gets hurt, and you're up with Chad Henney right there. Do you make the same call? I don't think so. I really I, don't. I don't go for it. I think they punt. I do too. I think they get a little more conservative and go, hey, let's make this Cleveland team go 80 to 100 yards to beat us, um, which, you know, you never know. And to me, what's also another one is like if they stop you, it feels like they just get all this momentum. If you punt, it's sort of it's not as much momentum like they didn't stop you. You're, you're but but I agree with you, like winning, winning the game, go for it, win the game. Um, I, I could not believe he did that with Henny. That just showed. Um, c- unbelievable confidence in your players, and just hey, knowing that this is the right play. This play might not work, but if we if we were in this situation over and over and over and over again, this would always be the right play. And and if that's the way you coach, I respect the hell out of that. And that feels like what Andy Reid was telling himself in that situation. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. I'm 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 completely with you on that one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think if had they ended up losing that game, by the way, when I was watching it, you know, I was kind of thinking about it. They should have been up a lot more than 19 to three. They mm-hmm. outplayed Cleveland by a lot more than that margin. And so 
that's been my biggest criticism of the Saints. How many times have we seen it in the postseason where they've outplayed their opponent for a really, really long time in the game, but somehow the opponent sticks around and just finds a way to stay in the game somehow? And that's why when I criticize the Saints, postseason efforts, it's been where is that killer instinct that you have during the regular season? You know, why are you not putting up those 38-point games in regular season? And the, the, only, regular yeah, the, season? O- the only thing with Kansas City was this is who they were this year. They didn't True. beat. They I remember didn't. last week you cited a stat that yep. they hadn't. They were oh seven and one in their last yeah. eight games against the spread. They hadn't won by ten points against any team since the Jets in November. I mean, that is that's almost hard to do for as much as they win. Like, True. They they win everything and they don't blow anybody out anymore. That's insane. That's crazy. Uh, it so, is very, very crazy. And I'll tell you this much, you know, if if you have. Uh, when you're game, game planning against the Chiefs now, uh, you're not really scared of the running game. So I think now when you're looking at these short yardage situations, you know, if, I, if, I, if I'm studying that film, I'm kind of looking at which are the, how are they going to get me in those short yardage situations? Two point conversions, you know, fourth and short, mainly, uh, or, or goal line, right? I don't think they trust the running game. So, we want to either key in on Mahomes or look for the passes that they typically go to in those go-to situations. What are their bread and butters? And I'm trying to defend that because right now that's the biggest concern. And I think that might have something to do with the scoring margins that you're talking about, Gino, is when, when you don't have that running game that you could really, really rely on, you know, now you have a lot more, you know, Chiefs, I guess, don't get a lot of three and outs, but you know what I mean? Like you have a lot more punting situations or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that. We'll see if that comes into play this weekend. Okay, so we've got about we've got about four or five minutes to give our predictions. We've talked all about what happened move uh, in the last couple of weeks and everything that's happened so far throughout the season. Now we're here. We're here the final four, Mike. We've got Sunday uh, with the uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks at the Green Bay Packers. This game is the early game. It's at three o five Eastern time right now. Green Bay is a three and a half point favorite. I think it's going to be tight. So at that number, give me Tampa plus the three and a half. I think this could be a field goal game either way. And I think we might get some Tom Brady magic here. I would not be shocked if Tampa is playing in Tampa for the Super Bowl. Well, I'm going to call myself out here for a moment because after wild card weekend, uh, out of the plays that I gave out, especially the ones where I said this, this is a play that I am giving out, not just predicting kind of the, who's going to be the winner. I went to a no. The divisional round, you know, I went O for four. Bobbing and weaving. Bobbing so and weaving. I've got to do something here to have another 2 and 0. But I'm giving picks in all seriousness, though. Uh, not to try to, you know, try to bring it to a 4 and 4 record and then Super Bowl make me 5 and 4, which I'm going to predict is going to happen. But no, in all seriousness, I really do think that this is just one of those years where what's supposed to happen happens. Tom Brady is taking this team to the Super Bowl. I think they win this game straight up. So I love your three and a half pick. There are uh, four really damn good quarterbacks. We've got Brady, Rodgers, and then on the other side, we've got, if you were making a list of the quarterbacks this year, these two guys would probably be number two and three in MVP voting and in efficiency and in all the stats. Mahomes, who looks like he's going to play. It's a three-point spread right now. Buffalo plus the three. Um, I'm going Buffalo. I think Buffalo has not played well. Um, they have not played well the last two weeks. 
I think they've got a big game in them And I think Buffalo has all of the tools To to beat a Kansas City team That may be a little bit banged up here Give me Buffalo winning this game on the road I'm going underdogs in both games And road teams in both games Wow Wow, I'm actually very surprised to hear that, man. Good for you. Uh, I'm, I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that this team, they've been the best team in the AFC now for uh, three and a half years plus. And I think that they're the best team this year. I think Buffalo has really, really uh, surprised me. And I think they're going to be, this is going to be a good rivalry uh, for a long time to come. We talked about the, the Baltimore and uh, B- Buffalo being a rivalry at the Kansas City, and them will be a good one as well. I'm taking the Chiefs, though, because I do still think that the Chiefs are going to be the Super Bowl winner. I think the youth is going to beat the uh, old man in the GOAT decision, uh, the GOAT Bowl, if you will. The un- I guess Mahomes has a chance to be the GOAT, right? Brady is currently right now the GOAT. So I think the younger is going to beat the older in the Super Bowl. So that's the way that I'm leaning, Gino. We only have a few seconds left, by the way. And we only have three NFL games left. And I was just kind of thinking about baseball for a moment. We don't know. Well, there's been a lot of great moves. And hopefully we can talk about them next week. We don't know when the starting date is for the regular season. There's a lot that we don't know. So this is a tease for next week. I want to talk about a baseball preview day the MLB should do to launch things, to be able to grab the headlines. Because their, their moves and trades have not been grabbing headlines, you know. So that's just a quick mention that I wanted to say. We'll, we'll save that for next week. Uh, Gino, very good uh, wrapping with you about this. I've had a lot of fun in this last hour. Looking forward to these games, man. We'll be back here same time, same place next week. And we'll have a, a little bit of time to talk about the Super Bowl and, and WrestleMania and all those other things that maybe are going to be coming up between now and the actual big game on February 7th. As always, thank you for listening. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.